want to say thank you to our praise team today. They did such a good job. They were without some singers today, and I tell you, they held it down. I'm so proud of all of you. Just a beautiful presence of the Lord. Amen. Well, I'm so glad everybody's here today. How many are glad you made it to church today? Amen. I know you're touched already, and I know the Word's going to touch you today. And God has really put this message in my heart. You know, we're two weeks away from our five-year anniversary celebration, and I am so excited. I hope you have some expectations. Bishop and Pastor Gloria will be here on the 14th. That's in two weeks. And then my brother and uh, my sister-in-law will be here the following Sunday. So we're going to have two Power Pack Sundays. So make sure you're inviting someone. Bring a friend. Don't let. Don't come in alone. Amen. Bring some with you because they'll really be touched those two weekends. We're expecting God to do some amazing things. Amen. And our Wednesday nights have been phenomenal. And I want to encourage every one of you to, if you're at home and you can get here, just get here. I promise you I won't stick a mic in your face, at least not the first week. No, I'm just kidding. We do not make you pray. You can just be here in agreement. And I'm going to be talking about this today so you'll have a better understanding. But there's something about coming in the atmosphere where we are praying for our church, over your families, over your marriages, and over this city. And I'm telling you, it has been so special. So many special prophetic words and visions have been coming forth. And I would love for you to be a part of that. But on the 24th, we are kicking off teaching midweek service. So I just want you to come on out. 7 o'clock on Wednesday night starting the 24th. Mark your calendars down because we're going to go into the Word of God. Amen. We're going to go just dig a little bit deeper. Open up your Bibles and your notebooks and just really take some time to dig a little deeper. So I am so excited about that. Amen. But my message this morning is called To Gather talking about two of us gathering together. And it's in my heart this morning, and it has been all week, to really show you the power of what happens when the church comes together. Coming together in the unity of the faith. If we've ever needed each other more in the body of Christ, it's right now. And what the enemy is doing and is troubling people with is he's pushing people alone making them feel insignificant, being discouraged, whatever weapon he uses to push people alone away from the body of Christ. And we're going to have to fight in this hour to come together even more so as we see the day approaching. Because not only does the world want to divide the uni unification of the church, but so does the enemy. And the enemy is using every tactic he can to divide the body of Christ. And we know that because we've seen the inslot, even onslaught, even more so than since 2020. We've never seen it like never before. So I'm going to open up with this scripture verse, and it says this in Matthew 18. We're going to read verse 19 only at first. It says, I also tell you this, if two or you agree, let's stop right there. You can take it off the screen. If two or you agree, I want you to say agree. There is an important principle of coming together in agreement, being in like-mindedness, being in one accord. And we have seen that in every way that can happen, the enemy is trying to divide the believers of Jesus Christ. I want to show you a little illustration this morning. So I have Abel. Give it up for Abel, everybody. He cut my handy-dandy cords for me. Thank you, sir. And I have some volunteers that I've called on, so if you can make your way up here, that would be awesome. And as you make your way, I want you to grab one end of one of these pieces of rope. And I want to show you the importance of why we need to run together in the faith. 
All right, so go, on, go ahead and go on over. Just grab a cord and then just kind of disperse in different directions. So if we have to, I suppose we could have did this a little better. Okay, hang on here. Just say hi to your neighbor. If you can go ahead and let go for just a minute. There we go. I guess we could have did this a little better, but we'll get there, amen? Just say hi to somebody next to you. Meet somebody new. Say how much you love Jesus. Just distractions. Okay, all of you can kind of line up. But, yeah, so kind of go that way a little bit. Okay, so that everybody can be at that far end as you can be. Okay, that's pretty good right there. Okay, but don't pull too hard because. So what I want, to, want you to show here is God has called the church to be in agreement. And in agreement there is power. And there is unity. And there is breakthrough. God can do anything when we come into agreement. But if we look at the world today and in the church of Jesus Christ, we all are fighting for something different. We all have a strong belief in what we think is right in the world right now and what we think is wrong in the world right now. So I just want to use some samples, if I can look this far with my notes. Probably don't have to. Hey, come this way just a minute. Okay. Come with me. Let's look at some of the things. Uh, politics have divided us. Either far left, far right, somewhere in the middle, but nowhere in agreement. Amen? And it's sitting in the body of Christ. If you are, you know, red, you're worthless, going to hell, you know, we know what the world has portrayed. If you're the leftist, whatever the perception is there. There's this grand divide, and what happened is if we see somebody one way agrees on politics in one direction, we get offended in the body of Christ because they should believe the way that we believe. Now, I'm not here to say what's right or what's wrong. That's none of my business. That's the beauty of politics. You get the freedom to choose what you believe. But I'm trying to point out what we bring into the body of Christ. What has happened in the last few years is not just about politics, it's about dividing. Because anything you can divide, you can conquer. So if the enemy can divide the church, see, these tools are not just worldly things. These are tools of the enemy for division, right? There's social justice. Why doesn't Pastor Barb bring social justice into the church? Well, why does she bring social justice into the church? Why aren't we talking about these things? So we've got more people that say, well, I believe we should be talking about this. And why doesn't she preach about that? And we shouldn't talk about abortion. Well, we should talk about abortion. We do too much of the Holy Spirit. We don't do enough of the Holy Spirit. Now, none of them I'm saying is any of their views. Because I can see the sweat. It's okay. You're free. But what's happened is we all have this dogma mentality of what we think is right. And again, you have your right to opinion. But as believers in the word of God, as Christ's followers, we're to put all those things out at the door. And we come together, what the Bible says, in the unity of the faith. We come together in this house because of Jesus. We come together in this house because of the word of God. We come together in this house because there is a lost and dying world going to hell. Bound by drugs and addiction, bound by oppression and spirits, and the world is so busy fighting that we can't even come together to build the church of Jesus Christ. We've got to do what the Bible says, shake the dust off our feet. If you don't agree with, you're never going to agree with everything, but as long as we're preaching Jesus crucified and risen, that's something you can come into connection with. If we're preaching what Jesus said, <clears throat> excuse me, go into all the world and tell the good news, if that's the message from this pulpit, you can come into agreement with that. Everything else we leave at the door. So what happens to me as a pastor? You all love Jesus, but you all have your opinions that you're fighting for too, right? So don't pull hard. 
okay? But I want you, as I lead and pull, I want you to kind of pull against me, right? So I'm saying, church, here we're going. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to win the lost. We're going to set the captives free. We're going to grow this church. We're going to do what God's called us to do. And I, as a pastor, am so tired. And I'm digging my heels and going, but don't you see? Can't you see what God sees? Can't you see the harvest? Can't you see this church needs to be packed with people that have been lost and have been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit? And I'm pulling and pulling, and God's trying to build this church, and everybody has their strong opinions of what should happen in the church today. Now, if they were to come together, go ahead and come together, even though they have different beliefs or not against the word of God, and I'm saying, come on, guys, let's go do this. Okay, you can follow me now. <laughs> come on, let's do this. Let's do something for God. Let's follow Jesus. Let's love people. Let's give. Let's build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now drop it. I want you to link arms. Link arms. Now see the force of the church. Go ahead and turn towards the congregation. Now look at what the church should be. We should look like this. We should come together and say we are going to bond in the unity of the faith. And we're going to follow God. We're going to follow the commission. We're going to follow the vision of this house. Can you imagine what a force like this can do to a city that is full of unbelief and brokenness and shame and everything that you're personally struggling with? Jesus is the answer. He is the only answer. Amen? He's the one that can be light, bring life and healing. And if we start to look like this at the church, I don't care what other beliefs you have. All I care is that we're following Jesus. And that is the Great Commission. Amen? Amen. Give it up for our team. You may be seated. <laughs> I wanted you to see a visual that as a pastor, I can have all the vision I want. And listen, I have a lot of vision. I don't lack that. I tell you, I don't lack what I know God can do. But if we as a church aren't coming together and saying, Pastor Barb, what do you need? Where can I serve? How can I give? How can I serve? How can I be a blessing to the house of the Lord? What part can I play? If we would come together with that, this church would be 10 years in advance in one year. Because that's the power of agreement. And I want to show you in the word of God today. Amen. So let's go ahead and go to the rest of that scripture verse. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth. See, there is an agreement that we can have here on earth. And that's why when we pray together on Wednesday night, something supernaturally is happening. Because we're coming in agreement through prayer that on earth, what can happen? Concerning anything for you, my father in heaven will do what? Do it for you. If you ask anything in agreement, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Can you see the power of that agreement? Let's go on to the next verse. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Didn't you feel the peace when they all came together? Didn't you feel that unity and that power when you saw them standing together? When they were divided, there was confusion. What's going to happen? Where are they going to go? What's Pastor Barb going to do next? But when we were standing with each other, it didn't matter. You just knew we were all going to go together. Isn't that powerful? So where there's two together, Jesus said what? I am. Go ahead and put that verse back up there again. Jesus said, I am. Everybody say, I am. See, in this whole story, Jesus says, I am. He is the great I am. 
We follow the I am. If you look at scripture, there are seven I am's in the word of God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Everything that you need is found in the word of God. You have the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He lights up the world. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the door that people walk through. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, we follow the great I am, the great commission. If you go back and you look at Moses when he encountered God and the fire burning bush, and he had this encounter with God. He said to God, who shall I say when I go back? Who should I say told me this? And what did God say? He said, God say, he said, I am that I am. What does that mean? Jesus will be whatever you need him to be. He is the great I am. So when we stand here in this church or sit here or come together, we come together because of the great I am. Everything he needs me to be, needs to be in my life, I can have him in my life, amen? But we need agreement. That means harmony of opinion. We need some action and we need some character. If the church ever needed to protect each other right now, it's right now. We need to have each other's back, amen? I'm going to go on later in my notes, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. I was watching this video. It's probably on TikTok or something, but there was this lion that found himself all alone in a, in a field, in the, whatever, and uh, these hyenas, a pack of hyenas found the lion, and they began to circle and circle. It was so frustrating because all they did was circle forever, like the torment of just circling that lion, the lion getting wore out as those hyenas were circling him. And sometimes that's how the enemy is. We find ourselves when we're alone the enemy just circles, and he circles, and we're looking here, and we're looking there, and we're trying to figure things out, and we're overwhelmed, and we're fearful and disappointed, and that lion was slowly getting wore out by the hyenas, and all of a sudden, they begin to go in and just bite at him, and bite at him, and I thought, any second, he's going to be taken down, but wouldn't you know, another lion, one of his buddies, rounded the corner, and when he showed up next to his buddy, those hyenas backed off. Now, it was two against 20, but it didn't matter. Once there was the two lions, they knew they were going to be defeated. See, there's something about coming together that you can't be alone in this hour and fighting for your own opinion and your own truth. None of that matters. We need each other. We have to circle one another. Why? Because I can help the enemy back out of, out of your life. I can give you wisdom and insight. I can pray with you the prayer faith when we're together in agreement. Isn't that amazing? There's something powerful that happens when we come together in the biblical community, in the power of the faith. There's something supernatural that takes place, and that's why the enemy tries everything to keep us fighting about everything. Amen? Right people gather for the, when right people gather together for the right reason, God shows up with the right thing. Isn't that good? I believe in every one of you in this room and those watching online, there's more greatness in you than you realize. There are unwritten books on the inside of you. There are songs that need to be sung and written because of your relationship with God. There are people that are, should be loved on, raising generational children to win in this world. There's orphanages that can be loved because of something on the inside of you. There's inner cities that can be touched with the love of Jesus because something is inside of you. There's greatness on the inside of you. And what is missing is we are missing being surrounded by the right people. Because the right people will speak life-giving hope into you. 
the wrong people will keep pulling from you instead of depositing. There'll be words of discouragement or words you could never do that are words of the past. We have to learn to be surrounded by the right people. This is my first point this morning. You'll never do all God wants you to do without the right people around you. It'll never happen. You have to be surrounded with good, encouraging people. If you look around this church, there are people that have things in their life that you need. And if you don't have it, if I was you, I would get around the people that have what you want to say, teach me how you got where you got. And instead, we all want to go on our own and learn our own way and try to figure it out. Instead of going, hey, you have a great marriage. Can I sit around with the right person to say, how did you get that good marriage? How did you pass the test? How did you not want to kill each other? How did you not get divorced? How did you disagree but you came together? Those are questions for a great marriage. And you have them in this house. We've got to get her. If you want a great marriage, get around people with great marriages and ask a million questions and say, show me how you do it. And will you be there for me? Will you pray with me? Instead of trying to figure it out on your own, find out how to get it done. If somebody you know has good finances, how'd they get there? How did you manage your finances? How did you get out of debt? When you're around the right people, you'll get that momentum and the answers that you need. You see people that are happy. How the heck are you so happy? No, that, that's, that is something that you can learn to be, is happy beyond every circumstance. Find out how. Find out how they raise their children, all these things. How do you have a relationship with Jesus? When you start getting around people that is further ahead of you, they'll start training and mentoring to be where you want to be. Amen? Instead of trying to do it on our own. Let's look at what the Word of God says. It goes back to the very beginning. Let's look at Genesis 2.18. God said at the very beginning, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, I know you can look at this and go, well, that was just, you know, the husband and wife picture. Yeah, that was the very beginning. But God says, Adam can't be alone. It's not good. You can't be alone. It's not good for you mentally. It's not good for you emotionally to find yourself alone all the time. That's where the enemy has the playground of your mind. You'll start rehearsing regret and disappointment, and they're not there for me, and how come they aren't there for me, and where's the church right now? And in reality, the church went nowhere. We're still here on 949 East Bell Road. Didn't move locations. You know what? You're looking outward instead of looking inward. You need to not be alone. You need to come together. That's why joining these things in the church, joining um, the ushers and greeters, it's a small community where you're known, where you're seen, where you can be loved on and you're not alone. You know, joining maybe the praise team or the children's ministry or places where there's small groups where you can be seen and build relationships. He said, it's not good for you to be alone, but I'm going to give you someone that is suitable for you. See, we want to run with the pack of who thinks like us or that's comfortable like we are. We want to run with familiarity. We all do it. But God says, I'm going to bring people in your life that are suitable for you. They may challenge you. You may not like it so much, but I'm going to make them suitable to be the counterpart of who you are. That word suitable means one who balances you. If you have the same-minded people running in your circle, you'll never have balance. That's why a husband and wife team is so awesome because the wife can maybe get off track and get into loony stuff and get off, you know, and the husband will say, no, that's not God. We're not going to do that. It's a balance. Or vice versa. The men can be loony too. Pastor Lonnie was a little too loud over there. So. <laughs> Just trying to bring suitableness to this story. 
balance. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, allow, don't get offended when somebody wants to speak into your life. That's what friends are for. They should warn of the danger. I can see the hyenas around the corner. I want to be with you so that you're guarded and protected and you're not alone. Amen? Let someone come and be that balance to your life. It's not good. It's not, that word good means it's not happy. It's not beneficial. It's not right. It's not kind. It's not pleasant. God says it's not good for you to be alone. There's no happiness in being alone. There's no joy in being alone. We've got to come together. Amen. It says in Solomon, I don't have it for the scripture, but Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, um, it two is better than one. Why? Because when one falls down, the other one is there to pick you up. We don't know when you fall down if you're alone. I don't know when you feel hopeless and insecure and abandoned if you're alone. But if you've got a community of accountability, they will recognize when you're alone. They'll discern. I have friends that call me out of nowhere. My pastor's community that I've been developing for the last six months or so, they literally call me out of nowhere and say, Pastor Barb, you were in my heart this week, and I was praying for you. And they'll give me a word of the Lord. Why? Because I'm surrounding myself with people that are good people that are going to have the ability to speak into my life. And I don't say, well, how dare you call me? No, no, thank you, Jesus, I have you. I'm so thankful for the friendships that are willing to tell the truth and invest into my life, amen? You can't walk alone. We've got to walk together. The Bible says that one can put 1,000 to flight, but two shall put 10,000 to flight. Two is not twice as good as one. That's not what that scripture says. It's two is 10 times better. Can you see the importance of linking arms with at least one brother in the faith, one sister in the faith that will tell me the truth even when I don't want to hear it, who will call me in the midnight hour and say, something is off in your life. And you'd be like, I did not want to answer this call. Click. For teenagers, that was like handset phones. Click. Now it's like, click. This is no joke. When I was a youth pastor, um, I, I, loved my, I loved youth pastoring. I, t- I love teenagers. I got too old for you all, but I love you all so much. And I remember one night I was at home in bed, woke up out of a dead sleep, and the Lord says, call this girl. I won't say her name because she's still wonderful in my life. Call her right now. Tell her whatever she's doing, stop it now. And I'm like, oh, cool. What's God got? I was like, ding, 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 ding. And I called her. I said, I don't know what's going on, but God told me whatever you're doing, you better stop it now. And you know what? She could have got offended with me. She could have got mad at me. Maybe she did. She might have adjusted her heart. I don't know. But she confessed to me later that she was about to have an affair with a married man. And that phone call changed her life. Rerouted her from a decision that would have ruined a family. And who knows how it would have affected her life. Those are the kind of friends you want in your life. Who will wake up and say, I just sense by the Spirit you're depressed. I'm going to come over. We're going to pull you out of that cave of depression. We're going to lay hands on you. But listen, you can't get it until you plug into the community of the faith. You can't want it out here with your own string. We discern each other when we lock arms together and say, you matter to me, and you matter to me, and I love you, amen? That's the picture of the church. The right people can propel you in the right direction of life, but the wrong people can take you completely out of the will of God and in the wrong direction. Amen. 
I call that negative agreement. Just as strong as the positive agreement, we can be deceived and get into negative agreement, gossiping. You get around somebody who hates their job and hates their boss, and that's all you hear. You're like, yeah, that boss is a jerk. That's right. We should make more money. And all, what happens? You're in agreement with that negativity, and you hate your boss. You hate your job. You're miserable every day. But you get around one person that says, man, I'm so thankful I got a job. I'm so thankful for this job. I'm so thankful I get to have this paycheck to feed my kids and pay my bills. I'm so thankful that God gives me favor, that God promotes me, that he sees me and puts me before man, before God and man. When you get around somebody like, yeah, man, I'm going to believe her favor. I'm going to get my boss's job and be a better boss than he is. When you get around the right people, they motivate you to be better in God. You get around negative people talking about their bad marriage and talking about how rotten their husband is. And all of a sudden, you get around this negativity. Yeah, my marriage isn't so good either. My husband did that too or my wife did that too. But you get around a good marriage. And you see how that husband elevates the wife and how he promotes her and celebrates her. You're like, man, that's the kind of marriage I want. I want to exemplify my marriage. My husband and I can have that kind of marriage. If God did it for them, he can do it for me, and he's no respecter of persons. What does that do? That's an agreement that propels me forward instead of a false agreement that pushes me backwards. And then they blame the church and they blame God. God had nothing to do with that, had to do with who are you linking arms with. Some of us need to just go plunk <laughs> and just go, like, oh, I'm getting out of here. No, you just got to make a break for it sometimes, y'all. Just make a break for it because you want to link arms with those who believe in you, who celebrate you, who celebrate God. Amen. That's what God wants for you. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, do not be misled or deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. End of story. It doesn't mean you can't get around them and you benefit them, but if that's all you have around you, you can look at your future because that's what it's going to look like. Amen. Even as a pastor, I, it can be insecure to get around big preachers and they're big. We're going to do it this week. I'm going to a pastor's conference in Seattle, and I'm so excited. The pastor Lonnie and Kim, they get to go back to their homeland. And so I'm going to this conference, and I want to get around bigger. And even though it's uncomfortable and they're bigger and I, I may feel a little insecure, I want those voices around me because they can tell me things where they've been. They can tell me how to get there. I'm like, I will take the shortcut. Hallelujah. I don't need to take the long way around like the Israelites did and march around that desert for 40 years. Nope. Show me where you've already paved the way, and I will just tiptoe through it. Hallelujah. Let those ahead of you lead you. They've been there. They've they plowed the way. They've labored. They learned all the wrongs and the rights. Follow those who are ahead of you. Amen. We have two little girls up here. Do you have something for me, baby? Oh, thank you so much. You want to pray over it really quick? Come here. They gave their offering. Let's just pray over this from Kids Church. Father, we just thank you for our beautiful children's ministry. We thank you, God, as they sow their giving today, Lord. Just bless them. We ask you pour out your love and your hope and your joy over this young generation, Lord. Let them be filled with so much of you in their future and in their destinies. And we just cover them as a church right now. And we thank you for them in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you, guys. That was so precious. See, two together. Look what the Lord did. He brought two little children. Childlike faith. And we're going to give this to the pastor. We ain't putting it in no box. Hallelujah. So do not be deceived. Amen. Get around good people that challenge you. I've always said this. If your mentor don't make you angry, get another mentor. Get another one. 
Because leaders will challenge you. They will challenge you, to, but they'll make you better. I don't mean offend you and degrade you. You know what I'm saying. But when they want to just like, let's sharpen this. Let's deal with this. Let's have some accountability. Let them do it. Because they will make you better in your life. If you look at the most five dominant voices in your life, who you spend the most time with, you'll look at your future. That's nothing new. You all have heard that before. But let's just remind ourselves of that. Amen. Get around faith-building people. Get around people who love God and the word of God. It will become contagious in your life. Amen. It'll begin, those voices will begin to speak truth into your life. And you go, man, I've heard their broken story. If God can do it for them, he can surely do it for me. That's why Celebrate Freedom is so successful. Because people are sharing their stories of addictions and strongholds. And only Jesus healed it. Only Jesus gave their marriage, excuse me, gave their marriages back. When we get into Rooted, and I hope you get signed up for that 10 weeks, it's another small group community for you to belong and come to gather, amen? You're going to learn how to say, man, if, if God brought them from the depths of despair, he's going to do it for me too. And I can link arms with that, amen? Get around people who love your church. I'm going to put it out there. If people don't love your church and they're constantly bashing it and bashing your pastor, why would you allow that in your ears? I don't understand it. Because it will become a delusion to you, a false illusion becoming real, that, yeah, that's what my church really is like. In a reality, it's the words that you're listening to. I remember when I was, and I think I've told this story a couple times, but when I was uh, in high school, one of my best friends, again, I won't say her name because... We're good now, but she loved to gossip. I mean, she was addicted to gossiping. And we'd be sitting in the church service, and the pastor would say something, and she'd go, that's not in the Bible. That's unscriptural. And then after service, da-da-da, pastor said, and why is, why is there 13 weeks on this message? Why are we doing that? And it started making me look at my pastor a little side-eyed, like, dude, yeah, why is this 13 weeks long? Well, that was a long series, but I'm just saying. <laughs> it was unrighteousness. I'll never forget it. It was a very long series. So what she said was kind of true, but I'm looking at him kind of side-eyed like, yeah, what's up with this guy? And I checked my heart, and I took my very best friend into the lobby of that church. I said, listen, you will never do that to me again. You will never talk about my pastor to me again. I love him, and I love this church, and when you talk to me, it makes me feel a certain way, and I'm not accepting it. And she's like, well, fine. And you know what? We're still friends to this day, but she stopped gossiping to me. Because that spirit wanted to devour what I loved and take me out of the will of God. And if a friend can't stay with you when you put that boundary, they're not really a friend. They're an assignment from the enemy. Amen? To dilute and take away what you love. There's another scripture that talks about that, that the enemy, or the people will come in. This is a scripture. I don't have the reverence right now because it just came in my heart. But there's a scripture that says people will come into the church spy out your liberty and try to take it back from you to bring you back into bondage again. These are human beings. Now, they're motivated by spirits. We understand that. But there's people that will come in that says, oh, I don't want them to be free. How dare they fall in love with God? How dare they get connected to the church and, and realize their gifts and their callings and love people and make friends? Uh -uh, I'm going to take their liberty from them because I'm not happy, so I'm going to make sure that they're not happy either. If you think that don't happen in the church, you've not been around long enough. Because I have seen it over and over and over again. Amen? Got to be careful who we connect ourselves to. All right. Put this up there. When the right people gather together, 
when the right people gather together for the right reasons, God is there and the right things happen. We can get fearful and go, well, I got to make connections out here. I got to make this connection. No, no, no. Where God's planted you, God brings the right people together with the right heart and the right purpose. You watch the favor of God just begin to slide out of your life when you get connected to the community God has called you to be connected to. So let's look at this quickly. I'm finally getting into my story. <laughs> we had to build a foundation though, right? So we're talking about heart and soul relationships. So in the Old Testament, we're going to go through this quickly. It's not long, but the Israelites were so defeated by the Philistines. And what happened? They were so defeated and scared, they hid under rocks, bushes, and caves. They gave up. They were outmatched and overwhelmed. And that kind of looks like the church today. I'm just going to give up on relationships. I'm going to give up on the church. The enemy's been beating me too hard. I'm too discouraged. And so what do we do? We go hide to get alone with ourselves because we're defeated. And I want you to look at 1 Samuel 14. We've got three people in the story, King Saul, his son Jonathan, and the armor bearer. And in this story, it says this, one day, everybody say one day. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistines' outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. What happened? Jonathan decided, I'm tired of hiding in caves. I've been hiding out 600, what was it, 600 men, and I'm tired of just sitting back, letting the enemy defeat us. I'm going to step away from the voice that doesn't want to move forward. See, one day you have to step up and go, I'm not going to stay where I'm at anymore. I'm going to wake up and be intentional to get the right relationships, to get godly people around me, to get godly counsel around me. Amen. And he said, I don't care. I'll step away from even my father because we've got to go take over the enemy. Relationships have to be intentional. I've been working with my pastor's wives for six months, and just now they're starting to make friends with each other. Just now they're starting to gel and trust one another. It takes time to build relationships. They don't happen overnight, but be intentional with them. Say, let's go out for coffee. Well, nobody ever asked me. Ask someone else. You ask someone out for coffee. Amen? You ask somebody out to your house. Be intentional with relationships. The Bible says if you want a friend, you have to count yourself friendly. Instead of sitting back and going, I wish, no, you step up. I, I, it was hard for me to be vulnerable and invite these pastor's wives. And I'm like, what if they don't like me? You know, what if they don't want to come back? But you know what? I'm going to create an environment where they can find each other and they can link arms together. Amen? And it's turned out to be a beautiful thing. But you have to be willing to be intentional. Be the one that says, I'm going to make relationships in this church. I'm going to serve in this church. And I'm going to do what it takes to feel like I am connected because that's what God would want for me. Amen. So one day, thank you, Jesus. Today is the day to be intentional about relationships. Amen. All right, let's go. All we need, we need all the right people to help us in number one. Help us navigate obstacles and temptations. Why do we need people? to help us navigate obstacles and temptations. I talked about this a little bit, but look at 1 Samuel 14, 4. Once they went out and he took his, his, um, um, his armor bearer, says in verse 4, on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. So they're on this journey. He's got one at least in agreement with him. One was called Bozaz and the other was called Sina. So I looked up both of those words, and Boaz means this, slippery. And Sina means thorny. See, on your journey, 
Things get slippery and they get thorny. There'll be places where the enemy's going to try to trap you up. There'll be God, if you're single and you're waiting on a man of God, get ready for a hot man to just walk and he'll slip in your life. He'll slide in your DMs like they say, come on, you know, that's true. Right? The enemy will make sure something gets in your way. When you're going on this journey, the enemy has a setup for you, but they weren't alone. They had each other, amen? They had that agreement with one another, especially when people are trying to come against you and you have that agreement with one another. They have no inroad into your, into your life. You know someone cares, someone understands, someone will pick you up. But if you don't have the right people, it'll be so easy to slip into temptations. It's so easy to slip into pride. It's so easy to slip, in, slip into maybe a greedy business deal or maybe finding attraction in someone else than your spouse at your job. It's so easy for those open doors to happen. But when you have accountability, those thorny, slippery places where the enemy wants to pull you, you'll have a friend that says, uh-uh, we're not going to go down that road. We're going to bind the enemy. We're going to bind this attraction. We're going to come against that so that your marriage can be covered in the blood of Jesus. Amen? The right people will see things. They'll encourage you. They'll tell you hard truths. I, want, I am surrounded by people who tell me truths, and I'm so thankful for that. We all need people that can help us with answers. Amen? We need someone who cares. I need someone who would give me advice when I don't know what to do. Number two, why do I need people in my life to overcome wavering faith? Do you know that we all waver in our faith? How many can raise your hand you've wavered in your faith? There's been times your faith is so strong and it's time it's so weak. And you wonder, I can't even hear the voice of God. I'm so troubled. Am I making the right decisions? Am I going where God wants me to go? And we get fearful and we get discouraged. All of us have had that experience in this room. Let's look at 1 Samuel. What happened to them in verse chapter 14, 6? Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. What are you saying? Here, let's go. Let's go attack the enemy, right? He was so full of faith. And just the flip of a switch, it says, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Perhaps he's going like, oh, okay, God, I'm stepping out by faith. Maybe you'll be there for me. That's wavering faith. There's going to be times where we're wavering. You get this word from God. You're like, I'm going to do this, God. And all of a sudden you go, did God really say that? Am I really supposed to be doing this? Am I really supposed to be going there? And we start wavering this uncertainty combo in our life, and that's where confusion comes in. He said, perhaps the Lord will act in your behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Let me tell you the importance of having people in your life and seasons where you're making decisions. I was coming to prayer our first night that we kicked off prayer and the Lord said to me very clearly, you have prayer every Wednesday night. Do not stop prayer. And instantly into my mind, I went, oh, man, who's going to be with me? People got used to not being here. You know, is anybody going to show up? And I had all these questions like, I don't know. Is it going to be successful? And I came to my team and I said, hey, guys, listen, this is what the Lord put on my heart. We're going to pray every Wednesday night and we're bringing back midweek Bible study. I'm like, this is what God said. Perhaps they'll be with me, God. Because guess what? I don't want to run this race alone. I want to know that I'm doing what God wants me to do. That's why I have amazing men and women of God around me to say, yes, this is God. Do you know not one of them hesitated? They said, yes, let's get it done. Let's pray on Wednesdays. We can't wait to the 24th. We need to get praise and worship back. We need to get the children back. I had people around me who said, yes, you've got this thing. 
Can you imagine it was surrounded by people who says, well, you know, people are really busy, Pastor Barb. They've gotten used to not being here on Wednesdays. I mean, you know, and that, we are surrounded with people that are negative Nancys. But you know what? I have people that said, yes, Pastor Barb, we are with you. We are going to do this thing. If only 15 come, praise the Lord, we got 15. And we'll see what the Lord will do. That's why you need people around you that says, yes, I'm going to do what's in your heart to do. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I remember... um, I went through a very trying time in my life, and it was many years ago, and I felt so abandoned and ashamed, and I was just living in this fear of what people thought about me, and it was many years ago, but it was very devastating to me, and I went to a pastor's event. Now, listen, that was a time where I wanted to run to a cave. Because there are times when we feel abandoned by God and we feel ashamed. We want to run and be alone, don't we? It's like our comfort. But I decided to go to this pastor's conference and sit with all these beautiful pastor's wives. And they have mega churches. I wasn't pastoring full-time, like pastor, pastor at that time, lead pastor. But I was sitting at this table and the ladies were sharing their stories. And I was feeling so broken and so unworthy of being at this table. And this one pastor's wife who has a mega church, you would know her if I said her name, And she walked behind me, and she put her arms on my shoulders, and she whispered in my ear. She goes, I believe in you. Man, that broke me. Her one one voice to me. The masses didn't say it. She just whispered in my ear, I believe in you. That gave me such a surge to go, somebody believes in me? Like they really see the good in me, and I'm going to be okay? I'm telling you, that shifted my whole life. There's something about having people around you that will say the right thing right where you need it. But if we're alone, we miss those opportunities. If I wouldn't have showed up at that conference for my own insecurities, I'd have missed her voice in my life that would have changed everything about my life. That's why if you can come to prayer, come. If you can go to the women's events, go to them. We don't just put those on because we put them on so you can have togetherness. Have one another. Build your relationships. How important they are. Amen? All right, number three. Um, You want people that are heart with you, heart and soul. You want people who are with you. What does that mean? Not just my Facebook friend. Not just on social media. I want somebody who's going to go in the trenches with me. Who will go in my dark places? Who will go in my ugly places with me? I need some people that's going to be heart and soul to my life. 1 Samuel 14, 7 says, This is what the armor bearer said to Jonathan. He said, do all that you have in mind. He said, whatever's in your heart, do. His armor bearer said, go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. That means win or lose, I'm with you. Live or die, I'm with you. Those are the kind of people that you want. When you make mistakes, they're still there for you, right? When I'm afraid, they're going to stand by me. When I do stupid things, they're going to correct me. When I believe God has spoken, they're going to say, yes, let's do it. When I don't know what to do, there'll be a sounding board in my life. When I'm praying, they're going to pray with me. When you're going through a battle, you don't want to pray alone. I want some people with me that will get on their knees with God, heart and soul, and fight the devil off my back, amen? You need some people that will fight the battle with you. When I'm praying for a miracle, I don't want to pray alone. Why? Because I need the strength of those around me. I need heart and soul shaking heaven and earth prayer over my life. Amen? When I took over this church, even though I've known the pastors and elders, some of them most of my life, and many knew, and I'd been here for quite a few years, but I inherited this church, and my first fear was, how will they receive me? 
I mean, you know, I'm nothing like my dad. <laughs> like, he's an amazing leader, and he's strong, and, you know, he just, it's so amazing who he is, but I am different than my dad, and that's okay. I have to be who I am, and God anoints that, but I didn't know how would they receive me, and they don't, I don't even know if y'all, I even told you all this story, but I was fearful, and you know what they did? They opened up their arms and say, we love you. You're our pastor. We're going to run this race of faith together, and they trusted me. And we, we really lead arm in arm, and I'm so thankful for them. If, it, if they wouldn't have had that spirit over my life, this church would not be here five years later because I can't run the race alone. I needed, I needed these people in my life to say, you've got this, Pastor Barb. They lift up my arms. They pray with me. They encourage me. They're always there for me. You need to be, they go in the mat for me. If we need to pray together, whatever it is, they will drop everything and do whatever is needed for the house of God. That is the kind of people that you want in your life, that they will drop everything to say, I'm there for you. I will show up for you. Now, people aren't perfect, so don't get cray-cray about it all. Like, I'm moving tomorrow. You better be there for me. Girl, it's 120. I ain't moving. I will pay for a U-Haul. You move yourself. <laughs> Amen? All right, really quick. I have so much more, but I'm just going to do this really quick. Number four, you want people who support you in the battles of life. We don't even need to read the scripture, but remember when Moses was tired and he grew weary and God sent Aaron and her, lifted up his arms, and every time his arms was lifted, they'd win the battle. And when his arms would drop, they'd lose. You need Aaron and hers to lift up your arms. And number five, you need friends who will be loyal for life. You may not have a lot of them, but you need at least one or two. When Naomi and Ruth, and Ruth had no future with Naomi, this is what she said. She, Naomi said to Ruth, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. She said, there may be no future for me with you, but I'm staying with you. That's loyalty. And guess what? She married the wealthiest man in the, in the land, and, you know, and, and we, the rest is, is history. When you stay loyal, God blesses you, amen? And number six, you need friends who will stay till the battle is won. They will stay there till the battle is won. Let's look at 1 Samuel 14. When, um, when all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So the Lord rescued Israel that day, and the battle moved beyond Beth-Avon. Something I want to show you is in verse uh, 20, right before that, it said this. When I read this in Scripture, I was like, well, that doesn't seem like a victory. So their first victory, it said that they slaughtered, okay? They slaughtered 20 people. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem like a victory, like 20 people. And the Bible says they slaughtered them. But then I remembered there was only two of them. It was 10 to 1. That's scriptural. God was with them. And God looked at even though it may not look like a big battle, God was there with them. It was a supernatural victory, amen? And that's what God wants for your life too. We need to be together, amen? Link arms together, love one another, put our differences behind us. There's not enough time to be offended or angry with one another, amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church. I thank you, God, for what you are doing in the spirit, that you are opening up this city to this church, God, that people are going to come in from the north, south, east, and west, I just see it, Lord. These homes are going to begin to open up, and they're going to flood into the house of the Lord, and they're going to sense the unity of this house. They're going to sense the Holy Spirit in this house. And Father God, where we're carrying offenses with one another, just today I want you to release it by faith.
If you're offended with someone or mad at someone, the Bible says that you have to forgive, you have to let it go. It's time just to let those things go. So if there's been things that's been holding you back, just say, Jesus, I'm going to give it to you right now. Lord, all offenses and all fear and worry and opinions of man, we just release it in the name of Jesus. We release it, Father God, and we link arms with you, Holy Spirit, your voice and your word and your truth. And I just thank you, and I want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life today. And, you know, maybe you can look at me. Maybe you've been coming for a few weeks, and you haven't given your life back to Jesus yet. This is the day. You know, I started going back to church for a few weeks, and my friend had to lean over to me, and she goes, did you give your life back to Jesus? And I was like, yes, but I hadn't. That was a friend you want. And, I said, and then the Lord dealt with me. I'm like, yeah, I've been coming to church, but I haven't really surrendered to God. So maybe you're here this morning, and that's where you're at, and you're like, you need to surrender back to the Lord. You need to say, Lord, my life is not my own. I'm going to lay it down and give it over to you. And this is that opportunity to do that. Amen. Let's give it to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus today. Be that living sacrifice and say, Lord, I will let you be Lord and King of my life. So I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And I release any unforgiveness, my own opinions, my own ways that I think this church should be. It's your church. I come into agreement in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. I love you all so much. I'm telling you, God is doing something so special in this house. I believe after August comes, we're just going to begin to see, listen, the harvest is going to start wandering in. And all I ask for you, church, is new people come, embrace them. Don't let them be alone. Don't let them stand out in the courtyard by themselves. If you see a new face, love them like crazy. Amen. They should walk out of here feeling so loved and so celebrated and not alone. Because that's really why people come back to church is because of relationships. So let's make that a culture of our church, amen? Let's bring that culture back to our, which you are, but I think we need to be more cognitive of it as new people are coming in to this house, amen? All right, I love you all so much. I'm gonna hand it over to Pastor Paul.